Welcome to another leadership podcast from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Well, welcome to Leadcast, the official leadership podcast of C3 Church here in Southwest Washington. And I'm your host, Steve Parrish. Today we have a fantastic interview with my good friend, Kerry Robertson, lead pastor of one of our C3 churches in Frisco, Texas, a church that most of you will know, Game Changer Church. Now, to set the stage for this interview, we're discussing the discipleship process that happens in the life of church leaders and through leaders as they disciple the people that they lead. Discipleship is the process of God transforming people into the best versions of themselves so they can experience every good thing for which Christ gave his life for. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 reminds us that we are all in the process of being transformed into that better version of ourselves and that this process lasts an entire lifetime. Additionally, Matthew 28 verses 19 through 20 commands us to go and make disciples. So not only are we being transformed, but we are to be involved in the transformation of others as well. This command is for the church and everyone in it, but especially it applies to church leaders. So with that, let's dive into today's interview. Well, it's my great privilege today to have on this interview, Pastor Kerry from Game Changer Church. Most of you know who he is, been a part of our lives over the last couple of years, and has been planting down in the Frisco, Texas area. Rowena and I just got to be there this weekend. And uh, Kerry, what a great job you and Rian are doing, your entire team. We've met amazing people. What a great weekend. You're knocking it out of the park. In a school setting, you've dialed into being a mobile church in about four weeks and you've mastered it. We would have needed to take classes from you if we were going to still be mobile. Uh, I just learned from you. I just asked lots of good questions. That's how <laughs> I got there. So, uh, Well, it was awesome, awesome, awesome to be with you. And um, in the airing of, of this recording, talking about disi- being discipleable and also discipling. As a leader, you are not only discipled, but you're discipling other people. And I really wanted to have you on because of a question you asked me as we arrived. You said, hey, Steve, when you come in, I want you to take some time and observe what, what's taking place. And when you walk out of this, the weekend gathering, I want you to tell me all the things you saw, things that could be adjusted, improved. And so certainly, you know, Sunday morning, it was great. I didn't have many things to put down that needed to change. A lot of good things that were happening. Uh, we went out to lunch immediately after, and I didn't even get bite number one into my mouth. And you and your wife leaned forward and said, what did you see? What do we need to fix? What do we need to change? And uh, I hadn't even been able to process it. Um, and yet you guys were hungry to get that input. So that's why I have you being interviewed uh, for, for our group today. And we'll probably post it some other places. Um, so a couple of questions that I, that I have for you. Um, you, you know, you're, a, you're a lead pastor. But tell me a little bit about this idea of still being a disciple, having people speak into your life, having leaders over you. Is that something you still have? And how does that work for you? Well, Steve, uh, I don't know how long you and I have had relationship with, uh, you know, each other, but uh, you've probably figured out uh, in the, you know, the couple of years that we've known each other, I'm not the sharpest pencil uh, around now, I'm not asking you to respond right now to that statement, uh, but, but the truth is I've learned that uh, when I feel like I am the sharpest in the pen, uh, pencil in the room, uh, that's when I'm kind of heading down a pathway that could mess me up. Uh, so it's, it's important that uh, 
Uh, I'm continually, uh, you know, just making sure that I'm not just looking through, uh, you know, the, the spectacles of what I'm seeing uh, because, uh, you know, others, uh, mentors, uh, pastors, they see things that I don't see. And so I, I just got to realize that, you know what, I'm just not the smartest guy in the room. And so I've just got to make a decision that, you know what, let's just be the dumbest in the room, ask some <laughs> right questions, because sometimes they might have some valuable things that kind of help me out. Uh, and I think I learned something a number of years ago. Uh, and the, the statement was, you can rob a man of 30 years of experience in 30 minutes if you just learn to ask the right questions. So, you know, it's just, you know, leaning into the right questions and, and having, you know, the listening ear, two ears, one mouth, shut the mouth, listen, because they might have some value for you. Yeah, I think that like my, my assessment of how much you value that input is pretty high. I mean, for you to, and I would do a similar thing because I, I really look forward to pastoral input. I look for, I, as strange as it is, I look forward to correction and I could tell how quickly, you know, right after the service, you and your wife wanted to get into some adjustments. That must be pretty high on your list. If you were to get a phone call from Pastor Phil or uh, Pastor Simon, who oversees the Americas, and they were to say, hey, Carrie, I want to talk to you about, and you could just tell that it was a little weighty. <laughs> would, yep. you, would you would you be excited and lean in or would you be like, oh, brother, you know, what would be your, your response? I, I think quite honestly, initially, I'd be like, <laughs> But, but you know, for my growth, uh, just go there, allow it. Uh, if, you know, and, and here's the thing, if I've got relationship with them, uh, you know what, they're going to say it in love. So, you know, Pastor Steve, uh, as my pastor, as a mentor in my life, uh, you know, there are moments where, okay, everything inside of me is like, but, but if I want to grow, I have to open up and allow the words of the wise speaking to me so that I can go to the next level because I'm not seeing things. Well, I, I agree. I feel the same way that you do. I actually look forward to it. Do you have in the moment that they're delivering this input to you, this immediate reaction to see their imperfections, do those get in the way when somebody's trying to deliver you some correction? Because like you were asking me about uh, input for your gathering and I prefaced it by saying, I'm not saying we have these things mastered either. However, and then I led into a couple of different things. Are you able to look beyond your leader's imperfections and still receive that correction? Yeah, well, look, you know, Steve, you've got some imperfections. That's not true. <laughs> That's a lie. That's a bold-faced uh, lie, you liar. <laughs> but, but, you know, look, the, the, the truth is that you have weaknesses, but you've got strengths. And it would be crazy for me uh, to just focus on the weaknesses of a leader over my life. I mean, every leader, I mean, I had the privilege of sitting, uh, you know, in Pastor Phil's church. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to say here that he's got weaknesses, but come on, <laughs> let's just face it. I'm sure Pastor Chris uh, would point a few things out. Uh, in your marriage with your wife, I mean, uh, I'm sure Rowena could point out some faults, but at the end of the day, uh, it's wise for me just to uh, let's not look at the negative side. Let's look at the positive side uh, because they're, they're, they've got strengths in, in areas that I don't have strength. And so uh, just open myself up and it could take me to a better day. That's awesome. Uh, maybe for, for everyone, name a time where 
a leader corrected you and uh, may, you, you maybe didn't like it. Uh, maybe describe a couple scenarios, maybe when you were much younger, because now you, you can't wait to get a whooping, but way back in the day, um, how, what was your initial response to any type of correction? And give us a couple of those scenarios. How long have you got? Um, <laughs> I can remember a time uh, when, as a youth pastor, and I'd stepped into a role and, and you know, God was doing some great things as a youth pastor. Well, my, my senior pastor gave me the opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning. We had, the op we, we had two services, one in the morning, one at night. And the Sunday morning was kind of the bigger gathering. Uh, nighttime was more youth, young adult sort of flavor. Uh, so I got to preach at night a lot more, but Sunday morning was, was really for the space of the senior pastor. And he gave me the opportunity to preach. And so I was going to bring it, man. I, I, I'm, I'm the man of faith and power for the hour. And uh, I'm a youth pastor. Now, what you can understand is in this particular church, the Pentecostal church, but uh, very rarely did he do an altar call. In fact, uh, even doing a salvation altar call was just not his thing. Uh, it's not that he was close to it. He just personally didn't go down that pathway. Uh, you know me that I'm an altar call person. And that was just part of who I was. And so here's my chance not only going to deliver a powerful word, but I'm going to have a powerful altar call. And, uh, you know, let me, let me interrupt you and ask you a question before you finish your story. Okay. Tell the truth was part of why you were going to have an altar call. Was it pure? just going to have an altar call or was there maybe a little bit of a moment there? I'm just saying might've been mine that you wanted to have the altar call to show how it can be done. Oh, for sure. Totally. Because I'd had conversations uh, with my senior pastor. I mean, I remember one time he preached a cracker of a message and, uh, and, and I was just like, man, get, do, do a salvation altar call. There's unsaved people here, that message, get people going to get saved. And he just prayed and that was it. The service was oh. over on Tuesday. I'm in his office and I was like, Hey, uh, you could have done that. And uh, he said to me, he goes, how do you remember to do an altar call? I just didn't think about that. And I was, I was just like, so, yeah, okay, yes, I wanted to do that. Uh, but, you know, I just wanted God to move in people's lives. So anyhow, I, I preached the message and it was probably the best message that they heard that day. Probably the only message I heard that day. Uh, <laughs> but, but at the end of it, I did an altar call and, uh, and, and I can't remember what the message was. I have no idea uh, the context of the altar call. But what happened was, is no one responded. No one moved. Ooh. And I'm standing there going, I can't believe it. These rebellious people. And I didn't say that publicly, but on the inside of me. So that was a powerful word and you, you don't want to move. And, and so in my frustration of no one moving, I said this out publicly. I said, if you don't move, if you choose not to get out of your seat and come down on the altar, you're telling God that you don't want to grow in your faith any further for the rest of your life. And, and you, I, I could see the whole place shut down in the place. And, and uh, man, and I was, I, I was ticked off at them. Uh, and uh, I just said, oh, well, I prayed and uh, I got off, I sat down and I was like, well, you know what? Uh, powerful message. Well, um, no one really said much to me after the service, but Tuesday back in the office, I got called into the senior pastor's office and uh, I'd moved on from that moment. I was expecting, I thought, man, he, he's going to tell me I'm a better preacher and that you're, you're back on this Sunday morning. It's, you know, I just thought, man, I'm going to get lined up with preaching gigs. 
And he then told me that there were a lot of people that were offended the way I communicated, uh, how I did that altar call. Uh, and I was kind of defensive on everything at that time. He then said to me, I couldn't believe it. He said to me, Pastor Steve, he said, next Sunday morning, I need you to get up on stage and apologize to the church, your conduct. I said, you've got to be joking me. I said, come on, they're rebellious. And I, I, I had my words at that moment. And, uh, but, but, you know, I had to suck that up and stand up the following Sunday morning and apologize to people, my conduct. Now, okay, so uh, everything inside of me was not wanting to do it. I didn't see there was a place for it. I just thought they needed to open up themselves. But see, what I did, number one is I've won the people back uh, by me humbling myself. But number two, it taught me uh, to communicate in a better way and actually do altar calls a lot powerful. And, and so uh, as a result of me just humbling myself and doing what my leader did, it actually set me up for a win later on in life. If I'd not done that, uh, I think doors for me preaching in that church would have shut uh, and future opportunities in other places would have shut. And uh, I just would have been a harsh guy in the pulpit. And so uh, I'm thankful that uh, he actually pushed me to get in front of the church and say, I'm sorry. That's, that's a fantastic story. I expected the altars were going to be filled and you're going to be filled with pride and start your own church called the Carrie Robertson Church. But it worked in an amazing way. Uh, how, how, how valuable was that? I mean, yeah. that, that's huge. Let me, let me ask you a different question. Okay, now that you're leading people, just talk in general terms, if you can come up with a couple of different things. Uh, obviously, discipling people, there's a lot of encouragements, probably 90% encouragement, accolades, you know, you did a great job, appreciate, you know, how you, how you handled yourself. But there's probably some common themes that cause you to lean forward in dealing with a leader. Because people on the team, they kind of put their hand up to be discipled, right? And so what would be a couple of recurring things that you see where you know that you have to lean in as a leader and maybe address something? Are there a couple of themes that you can think of off the top of your head? Well, I won't be hypothetical. Let me just, you know, as you know, I had a church in Australia uh, for 12 years. And so uh, I, I can think of questions uh, and, and moments for sure. Uh, I remember a particular time where a guy showed up. He was a professional musician uh, and he was phenomenal. He, he Every weekend he was playing in some club. He was amazing on guitar, amazing on the bass. Uh, uh, he just knew how to make it work. He was one of these guys that not only could read music well, but he could listen, uh, hear it, and then he could do the riff. He could get in there and make that thing happen. He also had a voice. And so, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was a very skilled at what he did. Well, he turned up uh, kind of, you know, uh, new to his faith. And he was like, Pastor, whatever you want me to do in the place, I can help you. Uh, and so, you know, after a while, he, you know, being in church, he found himself uh, in a, into the team and we, we were in a season where we do, did need some other players. But what happened, though, was is that he became quite critical of uh, just 
things around the place and it started out critical uh with you know just how other musicians played because they weren't as professional as him uh and then discovered that he there was little whispers going on between other people that you know were obviously better than that person that's not performing uh and there was just those sorts of comments and i, I noticed this trait of him being quite a critical person uh and i i had to go in and address it because I've learned this, that if I don't address the culture, uh, then the culture is going to address me. I'll, I'll say it another way. If I, if I don't direct culture, the culture will direct me. And so as a leader, I need to be watching my culture at all times. And so what I want in the culture of my church is I want a positive and a celebrating environment. I want people to know, and I, and I tell people uh, that uh, the way I am in front of you is the way I am behind you. And so uh, you're not going to get another Kerry Robertson uh, having little secret whispers about you, Pastor Steve, about I can't believe that, uh, you know, this guy, um, that, that's not who I am. And that's not the church we are. And so in public and private, we speak highly of each other. And so that's kind of what it is. And so I, I lent in with a conversation with them. One of the things that I've learned is not just to tell the people the what and the how. I wasn't just going to say, hey, that, that, that's, that's not what we do here. And, uh, and this is how you're going to do it in the future. I actually need to tell people the why. Because if you as a leader do not tell your people, your team, the why, uh, that, they're going to just not totally understand exactly what's needed and so i needed to lean into them to say hey you are professional uh but these are volunteers and and that person that you're critical about uh is a teenager that picked up the, those drums only a year ago uh -huh. and it's going to take him a long time to get there and what an opportunity you have to mentor them out of the season they're into where you need to get them. You can become an influence in their life. And I gave the why to actually mentor them out of being in a critical space uh, to where they needed to, to get to. That worked for that guy for a season, uh, but because of his uh, continual uh, critical thinking, it eventually caused him to bounce and uh, discovered that he's got a history of bouncing from church to church because of a critical nature that he's got about people, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of people out there that uh, just uh, don't get that, can't correct that, uh, and uh, they find themselves bouncing from place to place. That's a uh, not an uncommon story. Um, overall, if you give me some sort of per percentage, um, in approaching people for a moment of adjustment, you know, smoothing off a rough edge, in your experience, what percentage of people respond openly and thank you and then are willing to work on it as opposed to those that either give you this attitude like, who are you to even talk to me about this down to the opposite end of the spectrum of, you're completely wrong, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, what is, what's that, what is that balance look like just from your perspective as a lead pastor because you get a lot of years of having some of those tough conversations overall what would you say is response? I, I i would find it very hard for me to put a percentage on it uh but uh now first of all you can understand i'm not by nature a confrontational person um i'm a person that loves to extend grace and give people time uh, and and I look for ways to teach people 
before I have to go in there hard and actually sit them down and go, here's a come to Jesus moment. Let's talk about this. Um, I, I would say that, uh, that, you know, a bit more, you know, at least 60, 70% uh, are kind of open, but then there's people that just do not want to listen. Uh, and, and if people have had a background uh, where they have been beaten, uh, when I say beaten, like had negative leadership experience, maybe they've had parents that were very critical of them or an environment that was very critical, or maybe they had a boss uh, that, you know, treated them badly. Sometimes that wound, if it's not healed, uh, can cause people to, uh, you know, bring the cards close and that they, that they find it very hard to respond. And so I've got to navigate that with people. I remember uh, the, the same pastor as when I was a youth pastor that I dealt with, he would say all the time, in the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as failures, just resets. I'll say it again. There's no such thing as failures in the kingdom of God, just resets. Oh, reset. For, let me do the, let me do the, let me do the English I'll, interpretation. Oh, well, you can do it if you want. Yep. Re, no, the interpretation of what you said, because I couldn't tell what you're saying uh, in your uh, New Zealander, it's reset. Correct. Is that what you were saying? Resets. Oh, reset. Now reset. let me explain it okay, because well, I interrupted you for no good reason. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, See, see, when I when, when you fail an exam at school, uh, there were certain exams that it was just a failure. That's it. But a lot of exams that we had, you got to reset the exam if oh. you got it wrong. Reset, and, and so, reset, exactly. And and so here he's saying is that there's no failures in the kingdom of God. Just resets. Oh, and and yeah. so that simply means that okay, if I fail at this 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 test I'm going through right now then uh, I'll just get to have another shot at that down the track. Yeah. And what I've seen is I've seen so often people that go into moments where God allows a situation for us to be tested uh, and I have to respond. Do I respond kingdom or do I respond negatively, right? And if I don't deal with it now, then guess what? I get to reset that other test later on. Yeah. And I've seen people that went through a test in my church. Uh, and some of these people went through the same test in their previous church, turned up in our place, went through the same thing with different people, but kind of the same thing. And guess what? Uh, they may move to another church, but guess what? You're going to have to reset the exam when you get there. So my question that I say to people is, how long do you want to walk around the mountain? Yeah. Do you want to be like the Israelites and do this for 40 years, 40 different sure. churches? Uh, do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so, so it's important when I'm going through a moment that I, I, I can get defensive. I can, I, I can, I can close up. I can, I can respond negatively. I can go critical. I can gossip or I can actually become the bigger person and go, all right. Okay. God, I'm hearing you. Cause I don't want to reset this exam. It's too painful for me to go through this again. There is so much truth in what you're describing. I experienced that people coming into the church while in my church and after they've left, um, you know, God, I find not, it very hard to believe under your leadership, but carry on. Well, you know, that's true, but I've heard it. <laughs> I, I've, I observe where people think that by making a change, somehow God is distracted. I watched my grandsons try to do this. 
they try to do something, grandma is trying to correct them. And then they like, oh, what's that? And, and she's not distracted. And if you, in baseball, if you run past first base, but don't touch it, you can run and touch second. You can try to run and touch third. None of that counts because the umpire is always going to send you back to the base that you needed to touch. And I've found that to be true with myself, with God. Um, a resit, as you've described it, is, uh, is 100%, 100% truth. Uh, that, that is really, really, really good um, and great, especially for this, this setting right here. Um, thank you for that. That's like, that's like, that's, that's gold right there. It is gold because there are, I'll be really honest, there's a couple of lessons that I didn't learn early. And I don't know if I was corrected or not, but they were things that I continued to struggle with in leadership or pastoring that now into my fifties, finally, there's this aha moment. And you look back over four decades or three decades of pastoring and saying, would, would that I had learned that 30 years ago then I would have escaped so many of those moments where I did the same thing, reacted the same way, or didn't handle, you know, a certain thing because of, you know, fear or whatever. Um, and you find yourself finally learning a lesson, but quite, a, quite, quite late in the game. I'd like to give you two, two stories. One was when sure. I was six, 16 years of age. Uh, now I'm kind of a little embarrassed to say this, but I, I was in a drum and bugle band when I was uh... <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> uh, right. Oh, this is now. This is worth. So I used to. I used to play the bugle. Mm. Uh, and... Go ahead and do a do plan air bugle for me right now. Let me see what. There you go. <laughs> um, so so anyhow, I, I was part of that, and and so it, you know it was it was learning that skill. Uh, but we would enter into uh, competitions, marching uh, and band competitions up against other bands similar. Well, as I got older, I became the band uh, uh, director major. There was oh, the guy yeah. at the front that had the stick, the toily thing. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and my job is to direct them. Very manly. It's a very manly role. Exactly. <laughs> and you can see why I'm embarrassed to talk about this. And, uh, but anyhow, um, uh, the, the guy who oversaw the entire band was a guy that was in his you know mid to late 50s. He was uh, an ex-military uh, commander. He had a voice. I mean, you could hear it five miles away. I mean, he just had this booming voice. Well, it was coming down to the, the final moments before one big competition. And we're in a school field. We're practicing our stuff. And here he is shouting stuff out. And because here I am doing commands with my stick uh, in, in, in ways that are wrong. Uh, and uh, well, it was right because last week I did exactly what he told me the week before. And this week he changed uh, his mind about things. And I was getting ticked off. And the rest of the band knew that he changed his mind. And I'm getting ticked off. And so because that ticked off and I'm ticked off, I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it this guy. And I just delivered, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, just my response to him. And uh, well, while I'm trying to do this, next thing I hear the shout of my dad going, Kerry, Kerry, shut your mouth right now. And I'm, I'm just like straight away, this is my dad. And I just shut down and he rebuked me and he pulled me aside and he goes, and, and he knew that the, the, the sergeant uh, was wrong, 
But he said, he said, it's your attitude. The way you're delivering it is wrong. There's nothing wrong with challenging leadership, but your reaction to him is wrong. And so it was just a moment in my early life that, hey, uh, you know what? Um, I I can sometimes with leadership, I can, when when I'm feeling like I'm not, I'm right, or I'm feeling like I'm not getting it, that I can come back in an abusive way, but actually just being reasonable and sitting down and talking things through, I can actually see where they're coming from. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. When, when, when Rihanna and I got married, uh, we were part of a, a church. It was very large. It was a, uh, a church. It was very progressive, strong leadership. And there was a ministry call in my life. And I remember Rihanna and I going, setting an appointment with the pastor, sitting down with them. And uh, we, we had a burden on the inside of us, a calling inside of us. And we took that uh, to him. And we said, hey, this is what we feel like God is saying. And we would just ask that you would go away and pray about it and hear from God, whether we, you think it's God or not. And we honestly wanted to hear him respond, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, take it away, pray about it, because it actually meant that uh, we would no longer be in that church if we went down this pathway. We were very open. Should, you know, he pray about it and things like that. What happened was, is uh, he... Uh, immediately just started getting very abusive to us. Uh, And he actually told us, he said, if you do this, your life will be cursed, your ministry will be cursed. And he was using those words, your whole life would fall apart. And I mean, it was, it was horrible. Well, next thing there were letters being sent to pastors all over the country. In fact, uh, I was living in New Zealand at the time. I even met a pastor five years later in Perth, Australia, who got the same letter about me. Uh, and it was crazy just what went down at the time. But but I tell you all that because I was incredibly hurt through that situation. He went as far as telling our best friends, uh, don't hang, hang out with Karen Riam. And we honestly, we just were saying, hey, pray about it. Uh, and, and, you know, had he prayed about it and done that, we would have just gone, that's fine. But that, that response, we were so hurt about it. Well, I, we took it to a mentor in our life. And he said this to me. And I've never forgot these words. He said, whether you think you're right or wrong in the situation, God is more concerned about your attitude. Oh, wow. I'll That's say that again. Whether you think you're right or wrong in the situation, God is more concerned about your attitude. That's great. So That's that awesome. meant that Rihanna and I needed to shift something in our hearts because, okay, some of the things were said wrong, uh, but our response to it had gone to a place of being wrong ourselves. And uh, we'd become high and mighty about it. And we thought that we had a point to be able to, you know, gossip about them. Well, actually, no, no, no. We actually needed to become the bigger people uh, as far as we were concerned and uh, actually just get an attitude right where we go, we're going to pray for these guys. We're going to bless them in the name of Jesus, speak well of them. We're going to shut our mouth when everything inside of us wants to talk about it. Well, you know what? God has restored that relationship. And if I walked into that church, uh, if I ran into him, there'd be hugs and there'd be love. There'd be things that are there. I guess why I'm saying all that is because had I not heard those words about making sure my attitude is right, I don't think I'd be where I am today. Oh, agreed. What a great, um, what a great lesson to learn young. You know, because you can get a lot of mileage out of telling that story of what that pastor did to you. It's clearly wrong. I don't know what his motives were. It's also um, 
especially if people were to know the name and you name the name and the church and all of that, it would be uh, a tasty morsel. I mean, it'd be like, wow, you know, that's a pretty exciting thing. But I think the only thing you'd really end up doing while you're telling your story is recoding yourself with the very debris that you're talking about. Uh, that would be definitely a lesson for me learned much later in life. That's a perfect example of one of those things that I wish I had learned younger because there's always a good juicy story a backside that's dishonoring as to why you left someplace or whatever um, but one of the things I do love about C3 and being a part of the C3 family is that commitment to honoring to being able to obviously you have to talk specifics with key people but once you've resolved the situation to move forward the ability to speak highly of characteristics of a person or a situation that um, you know, you're not you're not you're not making something up here. You're not flattering. You're actually speaking truths and focusing on truths that are worth focusing on and avoiding the subject that really doesn't apply to anybody else on the planet. You know what I mean? So, yeah. what a what a great great lesson. A final question I have for you: um, What would you? How would you? How would you encourage somebody who would say, you know, I just honestly I struggle with criticism or correction. I, I don't like it. I've had bad experiences. Uh, I see they're not perfect either. Um, to be quite honest with you, um, I should be the one telling them what they're doing wrong. How, how would, what would you say to somebody who's struggling with, maybe deep down in their hearing this, they, they wish that being teachable was part of their arsenal, but it's not. What would you encourage them to do to get that, get that adjustment in their life? I would throw it back with a question to you and say this, would you want to continue walking around the mountain? Yeah. It would be like the Israelites that spent 40 years. Uh, I, I think there are a lot of people that will get to their latter years of their life and their retirement years and look back and go, you know what? I had a chance and opportunity and did nothing with it. I could have learned the lesson back there and I'd be better off today. Mm. so i think think that's what you've got to think through it's like okay do i uh, you know you've heard it said before it's either play now pay later or you pay now and get to play later uh, i think you're just in the same situation is that if we learn now we get to enjoy a better day and so i, I think if you're out there you're struggling with this uh you know what it, there's nothing wrong with you actually sitting down with someone that uh, is loving and thank God that you're in a church that has a pastor. I mean, Pastor Steve is one of the most loving, encouraging guys I know. Now, there's probably been moments where he's been ticked off with me. Uh, probably not, maybe, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> we'll, there have we'll been talk times, after the recording's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there have been some dark moments I've had where I've just got on the phone and I've said, Pastor Steve, and he spoke life into me. And so by able to sit down with someone and actually just go, you know what, I struggle with this. And can you just speak into this? Uh, you know, actually just allows a relational connection to take place. And so I, I think, think that uh, it's, it's just important that you just kind of just lean in for the sake of your future, for your marriage and your kids. Um, I, I know one lady, can, can I just give one last story? Yep. It was a season where in Australia where we, I mean, the church was flourishing, was going incredibly well. We had a doctor in the church and she was, she was, she was awesome. Uh, and not only was she uh, awesome with people, but she was also very generous with her money. She helped people out. 
Well, next thing I discovered, there was this critical thing that started to build around her life. Next thing, you ready for this? 45 people she sucked out of the church. Wow. And she decided she's going to go and start her own, her own church with these 45 people. And so every Sunday morning, what they would do is uh, they would meet together and they would listen to the recordings of our message the week before, and they would discuss where the theology, you know, the theological uh, discrepancies were, and they would just go negative about us. That's what their Sunday morning service was all about. Within three months, three marriages busted up. And that lady today, the last I heard, is no longer in church. Someone that had influence, someone that uh, could do incredible things in the kingdom of God. But because they chose to not be teachable in a situation uh, and not, you know, sit the test, uh, unfortunately, is no longer the influence or the kingdom impact that she's called to be. And so you don't just want to be another statistic. You want to be someone that is counted as one of those legends in the kingdom of God. That's what I'd say. Yeah, that's great input. I, I see submission as a highly desirable thing. I, I joke every time I watch a country and Western movie where, you know, there's a fire in the cabin and all the ammunition starts shooting all around and people are diving because they're afraid they're going to get shot. And actually, that's a make-believe man-made scenario. It would never happen like that because a ammunition that's not, not pressed into the chamber of a gun, the load is not directed and, and there is no trajectory for, for you know, the lead that's part of part of um, that ammunition. It's not until you take, if you've ever looked at a bullet and put it up against the barrel of a gun, you, you try to imagine to yourself, because you can't push it in the end of the barrel, you try to imagine how could this ever even get in there to come out, but it's that, that submission to something that feels incredibly restrictive that actually causes that load to fire in a specified direction and hit a target. And uh, I honestly long for that. Um, I'm so glad in the C3 family to have a number of people who can speak into my life that way. I speak into other people's lives, but I have people, and you're one of them who speaks into my life. There's been moments where I've called you. It's been a two-way street. And uh, going through a difficult season and saying, what do you see? What do you think I should do? And hungry to hear the answer because... Um, I know that if I listen to those voices, now these aren't just any voice, I, you know, you get to choose your leaders. And a lot of people choose their leaders in a season of celebration. What I'd say is the leader that you choose in your season of celebration and encouragement should be the one that you stick with in the dark time when you're being corrected. All of a sudden, you don't want them to be a leader. There's yeah. a problem with that, that role. But I look forward to being able to that person uh, to speak into my life who I've celebrated with. They've encouraged me. And now they, they say, hey, Steve, I, I want to talk to you about something that I think is worth talking about. Oh, man, I want to lean in because... I don't want to miss the mark. And the older I get, the less time there is to fire at the target. And so it becomes even more valuable now that I'm older and, and a lead pastor uh, to have those voices in my life for sure. Well, one of the things I like to do, and you saw me do this on the weekend, uh, Sunday night, I had uh, an all-in team meeting. It was our first all-in team meeting. Before I introduced you, I said to you, hey, this guy here is my pastor. I'm accountable to him. And uh, and, and I purposely verbalize that because I want people to know that I'm accountable because uh, if, if I'm giving direction, they need to know that I'm being given direction. 
And I think that if you are a number two, number three, if you're leading a connect group or you're running a team, uh, you know, here in this church, then uh, people need to know who you're accountable to, that you're actually green and allowing someone to speak into your life. Because here's the thing is that you reap what you sow. And uh, you've got to remember that, that if you give grief to your oversight, you're going to get grief from others underneath you. And I've seen this with pastors and other churches that, uh, you know, just, uh, just, I mean, they reap what they sow because they, their people are just driving them crazy because uh, they've, you know, not received it from upwards. So all I'm saying is this, is that, you know what, let people know who you're accountable to. That's a, that's great input. Well, I appreciate very much uh, the time and the inside. I, again, I do see you as one of those people that really um, you're a great encourager. Um, I learn a lot from how you encourage, and that's the 90% of the, of the uh, discipleship process. I would say I've been really weak in that area. Historically, I come out of a background where I didn't experience that. And so just simply observing how you do it and even how you do it from the pulpit has helped me to elevate my game um, in that area. And I also know that you love that input, that correction. Um, I value that as well. But to be able to, to uh, as, as pastors, to be transparent about you know, that process in our lives, I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Because I, I think that a lot of times people in a church might feel like it's a one-way street. He's always telling me how it should be. So who's telling him? And the truth is, you've got a you got a number of people. I would be one of them, and that's flipped around the same way. You're on our board of directors, and you have that same voice into my life, and it's welcomed. And uh, if there's a moment where it's needed, I I know that you'd have no problem at all leaning in and and having that dialogue. And if that moment came, I'm going to be leaning in and be all ears because I I value your input because of who you are. So with that, thanks for thanks for taking the time with us. Thanks for being on. On yes. the screen with you. Well, we're going to be, as soon as we get into our building, you're going to be likely our first guest speaker uh, celebrating our brand new campus there in Orchards. Uh, we're excited about that. What a miracle Funny. that has been. Hopefully it's sooner than later. Uh, they're working this week on it and on. Uh, look forward to getting Funny. you in there and showing it off and having a good time and get back to the business of building the church. Come on. So with that, we're going to sign off. Tell your family we said, hey, God bless we'll you. Do. Love you All guys. Right, Love you too. See ya. Okay, great job. What a fantastic interview. We sure appreciate Pastor Kerry for taking the time to join us. I want to invite you to join us next time as we talk all things leadership here on Leadcast. And until then, I'm Steve Parrish. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.